to the Farm of the Future podcast, brought to you by RAISE in association with Innovation for Agriculture. This podcast explores how farm businesses can prepare for and adapt to current and upcoming challenges affecting agriculture. In this podcast, we'll delve into everything from decarbonisation solutions to increasing farm biodiversity, always considering the impact on farm businesses and the people working on farm, as well as the benefits to food production and the environment. I'm Natasha Smith, and today I'm joined by Laura Palchinski, Livestock Project Manager at Innovation for Agriculture, to talk about how calf rearing practices can influence both environmental sustainability and farm business profitability. For this episode, we're speaking to not one, but two guests, Livestock Vet Emily Linton from Torch Farm Vets and Chris Dorrington from Smart Bell, who will be talking to us about the opportunities to simultaneously improve calf health and welfare, business performance and reduce farm emissions and the role of technology in achieving this. Laura, before we have our discussion with Emily and Chris, I'm curious about your take on the role of calf rearing on how farms prepare for the future. Yeah, so... My background is I did a PhD looking into calf rearing and unfortunately that project where I was speaking to lots of people um, in different roles, advising, rearing calves, there were lots of challenges that were flagged up of, of primarily being about historic practices, focus always being on the milking herd rather than these young animals. And in more recent years, we've started focusing on them as the future of your herd. If you get the rearing right, then they perform better, they are more efficient, they give better returns. Um, But there's still that sort of delay between, okay, we're realising this, but then actually putting that into practice um, can can be a challenge. So it's really exciting to find out about new innovations like Smart Bell and the work that Emily's doing with her specific young stock club in their vet practice um, as ways to really put the spotlight on onto calves um, and and how important they are for the future. Um, Dairy herd would be my background but equally in terms of of beef or dairy beef systems as well um, focusing on that initial start in life to produce a a more efficient um, profitable animal. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Emily and Chris have to say. Yeah. Hi, Emily and Chris. Uh, It's great to have you both with us today. Uh, Before we get going, could you introduce yourselves and let us know a bit more about how your work contributes towards improving calf rearing on farms? Uh, Perhaps if we start with you, Emily. Yep. Hi, Tash. Thank you very much for inviting uh, me to join this podcast today. Excited to be here. Um, So I am a farm vet, a clinical farm vet dealing mostly with dairy cattle and dairy farmers. Um, I do that a couple of days a week. I also work for the Food Farming and Countryside Commission as their Farming Transition Programme co-lead. So I have a very direct role in um, calf health as a a vet, Um, and especially because within our practice, um, myself and and one of the vet techs have set up our Young Stop Club. Uh, So we're we're really quite proactive in in getting out there and talking to farmers, helping them manage what they do and, and, you know, trying to improve things on farm. And then my work with the commission you know, um, helps in sort of taking a, a whole systems view of what, what we're doing, sort of taking that step back and, yeah, you know, why, thinking about why we're doing it. Brilliant. 
Uh, and Chris? So I work for Smartbell and we're an agri-tech company and um, we're seven years old and we've been working on calf health all that time. So we've got some ear tags which specialise in monitoring calves and detecting early signs of disease and allowing farmers to treat the animals earlier and to be able to catch more disease within the herd. So we also have environmental solutions so we can monitor temperature, humidity, carbon dioxide levels um, within the shed to allow people to understand if their buildings are um, working well for the calves. And um, so I'm within the company, so I do a multitude of different roles um, involved with data analysis and helping to improve the alerts and the site and how we understand the animal, but also involved in um, lots of different areas, basically, because we're a small company and we all do lots of different things. But my background is I used to work on a family dairy farm, so I was directly involved with animals there. But I've also got a degree in maths, so that's where the experience with data analysis and all of that side of it comes into. Well, thank you. And I wonder perhaps if we kind of, I wonder if I could explore a little bit about sort of how um, like calf rearing practices actually like influence um, environmental sustainability of farms, but also like the business performance uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it is. It's thinking of that, that sort of that triple, you know, stall or whatever you want to call it, isn't it? Around sort of sustainable environment, um, economics and, and the social side of things. And, you know, I think calf rearing plays into into all of that. We know that if we rear calves well, we minimise our losses, we min- minimise disease incidents, we re- reduce antibiotic usage and we increase daily live weight gain. That all then goes to have a knock-on effect on age at first calving, and then ultimately that that animal's sort of success in the in the milking herd, and you know so it's sort of thinking about the fact that it it all starts really young, um, and if we're if we're doing that successfully, we have fewer losses, which obviously impacts our carbon footprint and our sustainability, and, and also the the economics of you know of of our enterprise. Um, and, you know, I think from a, a social aspect, people get so much satisfaction from doing things well and, you know, can be really proud of, of their achievements. And, and I think that's, you know, that, that gives people real job satisfaction. I have to agree that, with Emily on that. A lot of the time, all of them go hand in hand. So when you do, when you have do a really good job of burying the calves and that means they're really healthy you reduce incidence of disease then you get better economic performance you also reduce use of antimicrobials and not only is it better for staff morale but it's also in terms of a public perception um reducing the number of losses a number of animals which don't make it into um into the herd as an adult then that's where it also helps to yeah for the public to really not see kind of a almost the unfortunate side of dairy so much and to help to reduce the, how much that happens yeah in terms of obviously from what you said about the smart bell tags uh chris you're looking more at kind of health management and being able to get in early is there also sort of long-term data that you're looking at that might also feed into this kind of these sustainability metrics as well so in terms of 
growth rates for animals with our tags. We found a 14% increase in growth rates for animals which had the tags compared to those which didn't. And this um, helps, well, it's both for dairy and for beef animals. For beef, it's the more immediate signs of improvement because you have more output for the same inputs effectively. So you get more kilograms of beef at the end for putting in exactly the same amount to that calf. But even for dairy animals, so firstly, it helps with fertility metrics if they um, grow at a better rate, then uh, it's possible to um, have them to serve them earlier. And what we're looking at at the moment is to see if you have a higher conception rate with animals which grow better, and also to look at the performance when they um, go into the herd for first lactation and beyond. And we expect it to be good results, but it's something which we're trying to find data for at the moment and um, to verify that just to get the get hard evidence to show the long-term benefits of improved calf health. Yeah, we know, don't we, that if we if we um, feed calves properly and, and well in that pre-weaning period, it switches on their genetic potential. So, um, yeah, like you, I, I would expect to sort of see that positive correlation, but it'd be really interesting to, you know, to, to see that data come through. And it's a conversation I have with farmers such a lot about that early detection of, you know, we all know things go wrong sometimes, don't they? Nothing is ever perfect all the time. And when we're talking about calf health, that early detection is so important. And that's why, Chris, you know, these, the tags that you're you're producing are, you know, are a real sort of play a re, real key role in that, don't they? In, in sort of assisting farmers to, to do that. Um, we know at the moment that, with farming firstly it's difficult to find people who want to work on farms and secondly always on farms time is stretched you don't have enough time to do everything you want to and we want to make sure that firstly you use your time as wisely as possible so that you know which animals you need to focus on and also that if you you can get people in with a lower level of experience but using the technology, you can help to get them to the same level of performance as someone who is a bit more experienced by having that extra level of help without needing them to, let's say, have 20 years of calf rearing experience to be able to spot the signs of disease. Yeah, because it, it is a skill, isn't it? it it's, you know, it, it's something that needs to be learned and comes with experience and, yeah, observation. So, like I said, having that helping hand is, um, yeah, is invaluable. And I think technology is never going to get rid of the need for people. <laughs> and of course, having skilled people is always an advantage, but it's making sure that's a kind of that base level of performance that um, even if there's someone who isn't um, as experienced on the job, that they're still able to perform at a good level and able to rear the calves at the standard which you'd want for your animals. I just wondered, um, Chris, are you able to um, almost kind of give an example of how how the, the technology, what it's detecting, like what kind of behaviour changes in the calf or is it is it temperature? What, what's it detecting that then allows it to go ping and um, whoever's responsibility is it on farm would then respond to it and how, how they'd respond to it? So... The tags themselves can go on from birth onto the calves. And there's a gateway which is placed within the shed or within the farm building to be able to collect the information from the tags. And the tags themselves collect movement and also ear temperature information. 
and we use both of those. So as a very basic example, we look at the activity and if there's a big drop in activity, then we know that there's something happening with that calf. So you'd expect if say it's 20% less active than the day before, then there's something going on there. And it's not necessarily disease, but we know that there's something that the farmer should be looking at. And similarly with air temperature. So anyone who's experienced with animals with calves knows if there is a cold, then that's a very bad sign and you need to give them immediate attention. But because we're monitoring them 24-7 and we're always picking up this information, we can see the signs sooner than it would be if you're only looking at them once a day. And we can also see smaller signs. So it's not just that their ears stone cold, but also if there's a bit of a drop, that we know there's, again, the start of um, potentially a disease or some other form of stress on the animal. So, yeah, we look at all these signs and then... When we detect that there's a potential issue, so the farmers they have an app on their phone and they get a message to their app essentially saying, these are a list of animals which we think you need to look at today. And these are ones which potentially are sick and there's different levels of alerts. So as a red alert is we think there's definitely something wrong. We don't know what, but you should have a look at them. And then there's the orange alerts as well, where we think there could be something going on, but we're not 100% sure. Again, it's if they have time, they can look at it, but it's not quite as urgent as the red cases. Yeah, so that's how we give that information back to the farmer so that then they can look at those, those calves and act upon it and decide if it like, needs treatment or and also level of treatment. It might be that they think it needs an antimicrobial or they might think it just at this point, it's the early stages or it's not so clear, so they might decide to give it an anti-inflammatory rather than an antimicrobial at this point. Or they might decide that actually it looks healthy and it was just kind of anomaly and they'll just leave it for now and the animal looks okay. That's great. Thanks, Chris. So I've been sort of thinking about how these early alerts can be used, but Emily, I'm also interested in sort of what what your calf club does because I'm I'm assuming that not all of your clients who are part of that would would have these ear tags so what what is it that that you're doing with with that service so for a start we're we're just sort of shining a bit of a spotlight on calves you know sometimes you know as as vets we can visit dairy farms routinely um looking at the the dairy cattle we have you know, realms and realms of information, um, especially with the, you know, the technology that, that we're seeing now with, with robotic herds and things, things like that. It's almost information overload. And, you know, the, the calf side of things is sort of still falling behind that a little bit. And, and so we're trying to sort of bridge that gap, I guess, in, in our practice. So we are, um, our techs go out once a month um, to weigh with currently with weigh bands. We're also taking bloods for total proteins. We monitor disease and mortality incidents, and we we use that information to gauge how well calves are performing, but also to monitor any changes in management. And so, you know, it gives us that that sort of real time data of you know of, of what's happening and and how calves are responding. And you know, we we find it's we get really really good engagement. And 
we, we find that some of our best performing farms have dedicated calf rearers um, and they will start to get competitive with themselves when they see the data coming through. Sort of, oh, have we done better than last month? And you know, have these changes made improvements and, and things like that? So, yeah, it's, you know, it's just getting that dialogue going, putting the spotlight on calves and, you know, monitoring what's happening so that, you know, we can we can make changes accordingly. And how easy do you find getting access to that monitoring data um, or has that been a challenge? When we first um, set up the club, we uh, we were using the daily live weight gain calculator on the University of Nottingham toolkit that they've got, um, which is a really, really useful call, tool. And I would recommend anyone to, to, you know, to go and have a look at it and have a play with it. There's lots of great information on there. Um, but for but us doing it for lots of farms, it became quite labour intensive <laughs> and not that efficient. But we were very, very lucky to, to have a colleague um, who had been away and and done some research work come back to us um fluent in r um and <laughs> yes, essentially has, has gen now generated some bespoke reports for us so yeah i think we we sort of are in a, in a bit of a unique position there um and yeah but, but very lucky to to have hannah um but like i said it can be done without a hannah um, <laughs> there are you know there are tools and, and yeah ways to to do it um otherwise if if some of your clients were using the smart bell tech, do you think that would be useful for, for feeding into those reports that you're able to to work on? Absolutely, because like I said, what you know, the, the other thing we, we tend to find is is that sort of, you know, data recording for cars on, on farm is is again, you know, not as good. So in terms of disease incidents, yeah, you know, we would get a much more accurate picture of that if we were using, you know, the, the smart bell technology because it, it it would be sort of less observation based and 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 more, um, you know, that's sort of the the alert basis. And you know, you could sort of look at alert like like you're saying, Chris, in terms of sort of you know the the coding, so red, orange, and then of course you could monitor response to it, couldn't you? And if you were if you were getting in nice and early and you were just giving a non-steroidal. And, you know, the calf was getting over it at that point. I think that would be an extremely valuable thing to do because it would then give you confidence to, you know, reduce antibiotic usage on your farm and, and not feel that you had to go in each time with with antimicrobials. And I think, you know, that could be hugely, hugely beneficial and uh, in a way of, of monitoring that and yeah, recording it. One advantage we found as well is that when farms do go in with a non-steroidal um, to begin with, is that um, you're able to keep on monitoring how the animal behaves. And so because you can see always like how the activity is doing and how the animal is looking without it being biased in any way by your perception or, yeah, it's, and it's something you can do just on your phone. You don't need to actually go out and see the animal. You can then see if it's responding to a treatment or if it might need a further treatment as well. Um, up to what age can they wear the, the tags or do you advise they wear the tags? So they can wear them well, up until two years old. In terms of return on investment, at the moment we'd normally recommend keeping them on until about three to four months old. So going just slightly beyond that weaning period and um, because that's when they have the most disease and there's the most risk for the animals. Um, but it does depend. It's basically up to the farm what suits them, what works well with them. And of course, um, if you're going, because you can take off the tags and reuse them on other animals, but you need to handle the animal to do that. So it does depend as well if the animals 
being handled at a particular stage, for example, at week, when it's being weaned, then some farms would take it off then and just be able to put it back on a young animal and to be able to keep turning it over and keep using it on as many animals in that early critical period as possible. And, and for farms who are looking to graze their young stock, are they, you know, can they be used in that situation? Not at the moment. It is something which we've looked at, but um, it's technically possible, but there's a lot of challenges there, which mean that it's too expensive to be a realistic proposition at this point. Yeah. In terms of following the animals throughout its life and, and looking at kind of its its health performance, its its efficiencies and environmental footprint, um, does Smart Bell, can it work with other technologies that maybe they have in their adult herd be able to do those lifetime assessments? At the moment, it's not something which we're able to do, but we are looking to find partners to be able to do that with. So for example, being able to track on particularly robotic herds, you have all that information available. And as part of um, our app and our system, when the farmers do have the tags on, we also encourage them to enter their treatments and any other information like um, the weights of the animals. So that then we can provide that full picture. And yeah, ideally, we'd like to integrate in some way with the performance of the adult animals to be able to track it back and to see the impact on environmental uh, footprint, because I think that would be yeah, really interesting and really useful. And it could actually just help to reinforce the points of what a big benefit is to, on, on many levels, not just economic, but also environmental. We've, um, we've started to look at, at, at some heifer data now, which is uh, more difficult to come by and analyse, I find. Um, but two, two parameters um, we started to look at are first lactation exits and the spread of the age at first calving, which I think is really important and, and more useful than average age at first calving. I think average age at first calving can make things appear perhaps better than they than they might be um and sort of lull people into a false sense of oh well you know we're we're doing okay is that Are because you... certain animals never actually make it into calf and so they're excluded from the statistics no it's it's more because we we are looking specifically to get animals to carve around that sort of 23 24 month and, and you but you can have an average age at first calving of sort of around 24 25 months which like i said you know sounds fairly reasonable but have a significant proportion of them that are, are carving, you know, much later and, and some earlier as well. And in fact, there was um, some work done by Ginny Sherwin back in 2016 um, to show that 36% to a third of all heifers were carving at over 30 months. And those that were carving at over 30 months were then twice as likely to leave the herd. So that has a huge impact, you know, on animal welfare, on you know your, your profitability on your environmental footprint so you know like I said looking at sort of that data set as a whole rather than focusing on on one you know um average or, or median figure um I think can you know can be really really useful and the same you know looking at looking at first lactation exit it was the same bit of research that, that Ginny Sherwin had done showed that the average was around about you know 17 percent with the target being less than 10 percent so you know the average being about twice you know what what we're aiming for that's a big loss you know that that no one can really afford to have so i think knowing where you're at um with that on your farm and and then sort of 
looking back to see why it might be happening and, and, and trying to mitigate that and reduce that figure is, is another area that's you know really important to, to look at for all the things we've been talking about. Is that something which you find most farms have been tracking before joining your group or is it a, a figure which has been undervalued? Well, like I said, I, I think it's it's data that's, that's you have to go and look for it. You know, it's it's not something on, on a lot of um, farm systems. They sort of pop up with the KPIs, don't they, of your cell count and your calving interval and, you know, preg rate and all these other things. And that, that heifer data is not so readily available. Certainly the spread of the age at first calving is, is, is you know, quite difficult to, to find and access. Um, and, and you often need some data analysis software to, to do it. And, you know, same with the with the with the losses. Again, that that's more likely to be within the data set. But again, you know, you have to go and find it. So if we can sort of bring this to farmers attention and, and work with them to look at where they are at the moment um, and then how, you know, if those figures need improving, how we go about doing that. And I, you know, I think that's sort of a, a really valuable something that's really valuable to spend time on. Just thinking um mentioned a couple of times, at least probably more than that, about like sort of the, the critical periods in, in calf rearing. Um, and I sort of wondered, is there any, so for farmers listening to this who are maybe thinking, yeah, there's like probably some things I can tweak. Um, is there, uh, what, what's your recommendation of kind of like how to go about that? What to, are there any quick wins? Um, what, of what, where are the, the, the low hanging fruit, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yes, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever, um, there's a, a lady called Dr. Terry Olivet who works out of the University of Wisconsin. She does a huge amount of, you know, cast stuff and, and she's, she's brilliant. And she has this list of troubleshooting. You know, if you're having problems with your calves, this is, you know, what, what you should sort of look at. And the number one thing on that list is stocking density. And it's probably the thing that people find most difficult to manage. <laughs> because if you've got lots of cars, you've got to put them somewhere. <laughs> um, and so, you know, then I think what it's really, really important to do is pay even more detail to everything else on that list, which is, of course, colostrum management, you know, giving that calf the best start in life. It's around nutrition, you know. There's work done by Bobby Hyde a few years ago, looking at farms around the UK. You know, we don't feed our calves enough milk. We need to feed them more milk. Hygiene, you know, so important to, to pay attention to detail to hygiene. Again, from the same piece of work by Bobby Hyde, calves that were cleaned out every four weeks had better daily live weight gains because of the, you know, the, the, the lower pathogen infection pressure. They just weren't having to use as much of their energy to fight off bugs. They could use them to grow. These things are, are really, really important, but all too often they're not done as well as they, they should be. Um, you know, also look at, uh, uh, you know, even if you've not got the, the best build, building in the world and, and perhaps it's it's a bit fuller than it than it ought to be. You know, there are there are ways to sort of get around that a little bit in terms of, like I said, focusing on hygiene, but thinking about your ventilation as well with the positive pressure ventilation tubes, bringing in, um, you know, more fresh air to a shed. Chris, I'd be really interested to hear about, you know, you were talking about your technology, weren't you, about sort of monitoring shed conditions, um, you know, how, how you're using that. We're in the early stages at the moment, so we're doing a project with a university farm, 
to have a look at that and to see firstly within the building itself how temperature humidity and co2 levels vary and what we're planning to do is to see if that does affect the growth within different pens and within the within the shed so if individual animals can have a microclimate which impacts their overall performance and as well you mentioned ventilation so again we've we've got some ammonia sensors as well and we're trying to look at ammonia levels and co2 levels to see if that is reflective of the ventilation level and if raised levels of ammonia especially do well they might not necessarily have a direct impact but if there is a correlation at least between higher ammonia levels with poorer weight gains and poorer performance yeah it's still in the early stages and we're still working on projects in that side but um yeah we hope to start getting results out soon just to um yeah look at that and again a lot of this information is just helping to build a picture which although it reflects the advice which is already there it helps to make it more specific to that farm to that, um so we know in that situation that maybe in a building or even just in part of a building that there's features as a microclimate which isn't ideal for the animals and could do with um, a bit of improvement yeah I mean that that sounds really exciting because you know again it is that thing isn't it when people are busy on farms they think oh I'll do that job I'll clean out the calf shed then a few few more weeks go by and you think oh my goodness it's been how many weeks and again it's it's having those early warning systems to say actually over here yeah this this job does need doing now because if you don't do it it's going to start impacting calf health and you're going to start seeing problems. I think it's quite hard as well to pinpoint one thing which you can do to boost your calf performance because it almost feels like you've got a barrel with lots of different planks and all these different planks reflect different things like the colostrum, ventilation, hygiene. But if one of the planks isn't there, then it's all going to go to pieces and the calf performance drops. And you kind of need everything in place just to actually allow the calf to achieve its full potential. And it's that thing as well, isn't it? Sort of going going through the year, you know, it's, things are changeable. So you're going to, all year round calving herds are going to be perhaps sometimes busier than other times. And certainly block calving herds, you know, they've got all their calves in there in one go and, 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 and then they're not. Um, and, you know, with, with the weather as well, we're seeing the effects of heat, I think, you know, more now with our calves. That's very much something to bear in mind. You know, I mean, we've got horrendous, misly weather here today. Nobody likes that. So it's, it's, it's again, isn't it? It's, this is why the people's observations and these monitoring tools are so important because, you know, two days are never the same. And therefore, you know, different management strategies, different actions are, are required in different situations. And even the climate in the country is changing. So things yeah. like calf igloos, which were designed for, you know, what you think of as typical UK climate, all of a sudden we're having some days where it's 35 degrees, it's sunny. And if they're in direct sunlight and the ventilation isn't ideal, it can get to 50 degrees in these kind of situations. And it's, yeah, it's it's all changing. Well, a lot of things are changing rapidly. And although you can't prepare for everything, it's, yeah, if you've got the alert systems in place, then you it helps you to realise if something is going wrong and um, to act upon it quickly. Exactly. Uh, data and being able to act on it quickly is does seem to be completely key. Just to finish, I wonder if we could 
well, I'd be interested in both of your takes on how technology and data solutions could be used to further improve calf rearing and uh, make it easier on farm. I think that before too long, we'll start to see a lot more individual care for calves. So the technology will be there to be able to have an individual profile for that animal. And then you can modify your calf care. For example, your weaning age, you'll be able to detect early signs of rumination and whether it's ready for weaning or if it needs to be delayed a bit longer. And be able to, well, even bring in like the genomics and genetic side of it, be able to see that animal, how it should be performing and try and do everything you can to make it reach its potential and not just treat it as one of a group within the herd. And... So instead of it, us saying you have to wean this animal at six weeks old, you might be, oh no, that one needs a bit longer, you wean it to eight years old, and that will help it to really yeah, reach its potential. So I think that will be coming in before too long in the future, and like all the technology is coming along. Really exciting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, It yeah. might take a little bit farmer, uh, sorry, a little bit longer for farmers to catch up with the potential of technology maybe but I think um, I can see it coming down the line that yeah you won't just have your herd protocols you'll be able to adapt them for the individuals and um, yeah make sure that animal has the best kind of routine and yeah the best way of being brought up for itself rather than just trying to work on on average what's best for the group. I personally would like to see more focus on on calf and, and heifer rearing i think you know it is is still you know the, i think there's still not enough focus on it on farm you know like i said we think about the the milking cow but you know we have to remember where where she comes from and that that early life experience is is so important um i think the other thing that that i would just bring into it is, is sort of people thinking about how they want to to manage their their herds and what type of animal they would like to breed um chris has already mentioned about the about the genomics but you know do you want that high yielding holstein or do you want an animal that can go out and and make the most of your you know your grazing and your forage platform i know that you know people who are, are looking into sort of moving to more regenerative practices will often start off by you know mob grazing their young stock and i think that's a really exciting area but but sort of brings with it its you know its its own challenges in terms of you know diet um diverse sword and you know parasite management what again what we do with our our young stock in their sort of first grazing season can have an impact on on then you know what they do and and how how immune they are and how well they can cope with what they meet in subsequent grazing seasons so you know things like lungworm vaccination um you know giving them enough exposure to gut worm without it causing them ill health um so i think you know it's it, i guess it's going back to what i said at the beginning about taking that that bigger picture look about you know what direction you'd like your farm to go in and Perhaps what we've talked about today more is that sort of, you know, high yielding Holstein, because that's what we've got a lot of data for. And that's, you know, what a lot of the research has been on uh, up to this point. But I, like I said, I think there's there's an exciting movement um, that's, you know, looking at, at, at changing that shift because, you know, what we need is a is a diverse and exciting dairy industry. And, you know, having that sort of all in the mix. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. 
thank you so much both of you there's um yeah so much to um like think about there and um it's such a big topic we haven't really done it justice in half an hour have we but um it's been brilliant to talk to you both and um yeah thank you for coming on So that was brilliant. There was uh, loads, loads to, to think about there with uh, what Emily and Chris had to say. Uh, what do you think your sort of key key take homes from the discussion were, Laura? Um, I think main two points would be um, kind of Chris's point about the, their data showing the such a great increase in growth rates for calves that had their monitoring tags compared to those without, just showing the value of. of those early interventions and, and looking at that data um, and also just yeah the importance of looking at calves paying attention to them so if you don't have access to a calf club through through your vet practice do ask them on a routine to what they would suggest for, for your calves if, if you might want to make some tweaks definitely and um, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities uh, in calf rearing and it's just getting it's almost the data catching up to to prove and sort of have the evidence for how much difference they really can make to later sort of profitability and um, like the sort of carbon efficiency of per kilo of meat or of milk production. Um, and I think there's so much exciting stuff to come as well, like what Chris said at the end there about weaning uh, and being able to decide when to wean sort of per calf, depending on when they're ready for it in terms of they ruminating and everything like that's really exciting stuff uh, so i think there's definitely things to look forward to in the future of calf rearing on our farms thank you for joining us for the farm of the future podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard about today, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast as we'd love to hear your thoughts and it will help others to discover it too. We'll be back next month to explore another exciting topic which impacts the future of farming.